podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when that's a put at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show, lead the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and the swing ain't lying. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. Amazingly, this is episode 152, and I'm joined by a special guest, uh, one of the Mid-Atlantic's finest caddies, one of the best caddies east of the Mississippi, a man who has been with me literally since the first recording since day one, uh, everyone's favorite caddy, Mr. Dan Urban. Dan, what's going on, buddy? Oh, buddy, how are you? This is uh, I'm sitting here with a smile on my face because that's uh, that's since inception, which is it's fantastic. And uh, like I said earlier, you're guessing your weight on the on the pod episode number. And uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic, man. All, all the best. And uh, it sounds like things are going well. Yeah, I mean, you you were I mean, literally kind of on the Noah's Ark of <laughs> leave the pin down in Savannah when we started, you know? I know that was crazy. That was uh, is that two and a half, three years ago now? Yeah, Something? it's like yeah, yeah, just a yeah, basically kind all, of almost three because, years. Yeah, and uh, I think there were like wind chimes and birds in the background that may have gotten annoying. There's no, there's a wind chime here, but it's completely calm. But you might catch uh, like a random woodpecker in the background. That that uh, the first episode was hilarious. It was you, me, Mike Creed, um, the the host family that that you were staying with. Um, yeah, they were fantastic. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, gosh, I Ron and Ron and Judy. I Ron believe. and Judy, yeah, Ron and Judy yeah. Monaco down at the Landings Club in in Savannah, Georgia, and Ron had the biggest smile on his face, big cigar, cooking us steaks and. Was so excited to be part of it. I mean, thought he was watching, you know, greatness, and it was just a bunch of three idiots t- talking golf on the day. Yeah, I mean, Ron, Ron, oh my God, this guy was—he was toking the cigar so hard there probably wasn't a mosquito within like six <laughs> miles of the podcast. There was such a plume of clouded cigar smoke; it was fantastic. Smile never left his face. You know, I was living his best life. Yeah, wind, wind and dined us like we were ESPN executives. Uh, yeah, he. he I, I think every day I had some brie cheese. There was some expensive meat on the countertop. Uh, he got me, me and Mike, some really good uh, parking spots for the tournament. I think he hooked yourself up a few days. Yep, I don't know, he, yeah, he was he was fantastic. Not to mention, he said we could take his Porsche out, and we never did that, which was kind of funny. But you know, I'm glad it stayed in the garage. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that on my insurance if something happens. No, no, you do not. That is the <laughs> truth. Um, all right, so we'll we'll get into some stuff. Uh, I want to get into a little bit of history because we, 152 episodes this is a long time. Three years is a long time, dude. And we got some newer people to the pod that maybe weren't around, don't know you, what you've done. So we'll get into that stuff. But you you called me before, and you sure. said, dude, what? the hell just happened in the last tour event before the FedEx Cup playoffs. They just finished the Wyndham uh, at Sedgefield, and Kevin Kisner prevails, second playoff hole, makes birdie. Dude, a six-person playoff? I I was trying to think, and I was going to Google it, and I got sidetracked with family obligations, but I don't know 
I mean, it's it's been a couple moons since there was a heavy list of of playoff contenders that ran, you know, four, five, six deep. I mean, this was something where it's like I, this could go on till tomorrow, and it didn't. Um, but six guys in a playoff—that's uh, that—that's ridiculous. That's some serious golf. Yeah, and you know the PGA Tour has been trending this way more and more the last, I, I think, like five or six years. I've really started to notice where there's very few tournaments where there's a complete runaway winner. You know, there's always two guys battling as a playoff. I mean, remember like two years ago before the pandemic, they went four or five events in a row that all went into playoffs. So the level of play is just astronomical. I, and I, I want to read you these numbers, which just stick out to me because they're insane. These are the final round scores of everybody in the playoff. Okay, you ready? 66, 66, 66, 64, 65, and 66. So this 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 is no accident. This isn't guys, you know, catching lightning in a bottle and all of a sudden like, oh hey, I I, I gained eight strokes because the leader faulted. Like every single one of these dudes was playing lights out. Hundred percent. I mean, you can't. I've said this for years, but these guys, I, literally from the from the first round, day one, you can't miss a shot because just hearing those numbers, I, you miss a shot, two shots, one shot on Thursday, and then you're playing catch up. It's a six guy playoff. Uh, I, it, that's why golf is so hard. That's why you know everybody thinks that the tour life is sexy and it, it's incredibly sexy and it's fun and travel and blah 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 but rest is so important because I, it, what was that a uh, couple 64s in there three guys 66 yeah yep. i mean I, you're not missing a shot and it's a four day marathon uh, it's it's incredible to me uh, even caddying on the corn ferry and those guys are just, they're, they're a little bit younger. They're, they're not as fearful on some of the courses cause they, they aren't as difficult and that's nothing taken away from the guys on the show. But I mean, you're, you're slinging stuff in there and you're just, you're not looking at anything, but a certain section of the green with the pin and you can't, you can't miss a shot. I mean, these guys, I think a couple of them played together today. Uh, in the same group, these guys just were feeding off of each other. And it, that's what's that that's what makes it really fun to watch, fun to caddy for, uh, be involved with is just that energy. Uh, and then they start going back and forth. And yeah, there was a few times last year, the last couple of years, you could see the playoff coming and you're like, yep, I'm getting free golf today. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Bonus golf is is good golf. So, I mean, listen to these names, too, because even though this was, you know, the, the Wyndham is a stronger weak field, if that makes sense. You know, it's one of the 100%. small, yeah, it's one of the smaller tournaments. Uh, I mean, Sedgefield does a great job. I was there two years ago doing media before the pandemic, and it was, it, it, it is just a delightful course. It is exceptional. The hospitality is insane. It's all but, clean. It is yeah. clean. That's just a solid spot. Gorgeous and 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 pure. But listen to these guys in the six man playoff: Kisner, Kevin Na, Brandon Grace, Siwoo Kim, Adam Scott, and Roger Sloan. If you were gonna pick a name out of a hat, you know, out of those six that didn't belong, it's it's most likely Roger Sloan. But right. uh, big name guys playing big time golf, 
And and you made an interesting point. You talked about how every shot counts. And and a few weeks ago, I made a comment on the pod that the only thing that seems like it matters in pro golf anymore is the final round, because that's all we remember. But we have to understand that it is a 72-hole marathon. And I think your boy, Russell Henley, would probably love a stroke back one of those last four days that he played because he missed that six-person playoff by a stroke, as well did Kevin Streelman. Now, Streelman played well today. He shot 66, but Henley shot a 71. Dude was one over par on a day when, when like, the scoring average was 66 for the top guys. I know. So Streelman going six deep, I mean, that that's a solid round. Any guy would take that to try to eke anything more out of that. I didn't see his highlights. I don't know how much camera time he got throughout the course of the uh, the airing. But, I mean, six under... I mean, that's just, you're a stud, uh, first and foremost. And then Henley just, I, that's got to fall on a couple putts. Um, just I, the guy, the poor guy shoots even, he's in it. And we got a seven-dude playoff. Um, and that's that's what I mean. I mean, he obviously wasn't feeling it today, Henley. Uh, he shot one over. I mean, he, he oh, man, that one stroke. Uh, he probably would have given, he probably would have paid somebody a hundred grand for that one stroke to get in that playoff. Because oh, easily. the guy earlier easily. this season has been close. Um, and, and look, he's been playing lights out. Like when you, when you look at the top ten of the FedEx Cup points, he's sitting in fourth place right now. Like him and him and Cantlay are literally interchangeable. They are there every single week. They both have two wins. Cantley's right. got five top tens. Harris English has eight top tens. Um, you know, they're they're 20 points apart. I, they're literally interchangeable. But imagine Harris English goes out into the playoff, wins it. This dude is now sitting in first place of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Like, literally has to do nothing the next two weeks and gets into the final. Right. I mean, you're you're on cruise control right there. Like, yeah. first so and foremost, I, I, serving energy at that point. Oh, for sure. And you say a hundred grand, I bet you the dude would pay, ha- I, you know, half a mil to get a stroke <laughs> back or two strokes. I bet you'd pay half a mil for two strokes because those two strokes that would give him the win this week are probably worth upwards of eight to 10 million over the course of the next three weeks. Easily, easily. That gets you in the hunt, gets the juices flowing. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would not argue that point for sure. The other thing too is, uh, you know, we haven't even gotten into the dark horse debate, and I almost want to like save this for the the back half of the pod. But Brendan Grace, if if you guys, if the guys listening are like betting on cats, this dude, this dude has been on my radar for like the last few years. Of he's got to secure a major victory, whether it's uh, the tour championship, a major uh, securing the. Uh, the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup. He's from South Africa, right? Republic right, South. yeah, President's Cup. He would be. Yeah, President's Cup. Um, that that dude, he's he's like a Louis Oosthuizen. He's always sniffing around. Uh, to see him drop that 28-foot putt today to get into the playoff on the last hole or the 17th hole is one of the two. Like, dude, that's so clutch. Uh, it was a right-to-left downhill putt, and he, he right in the center nailed it. Nailed yeah, it. Ballsy. It wasn't, just ballsy. Yeah, killer. 
killer putt. He's, uh, uh, he's a hell of a player. So right now he he's gonna he's gonna bump up a bit. He was in 56th place the FedEx Cup. He'll probably get inside the top 50. Uh, Streels, I mean, um, uh, not Streelman, sorry, Kisner is now sitting at 29th. So that win for him was enormous, dude, right? Because that puts him, as of right now, in the top 30, which gets you into the Tour Championship, which we know is where all the free money is uh, that the PGA Tour's given away. And then, you know, the last thing on on that note for Kisner, this might have been that performance coming out of a playoff, right? Kind of like the closest thing you can get to match play one-on-one on on tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, This might be that sign that Stricker's like, hey, you know what, dude? Like this little Southern Bulldog right here, like give me this dude's number. Like I'm getting this dude on the team right now. I don't know if he's a shoo-in right now after this win, but – if he has anything close to resembling a decent FedEx Cup playoff, I think the dude's on the on the um, on the Ryder Cup team 100. percent I am, I'm I'm 100 percent on some kids. Kids is uh, he's just whenever he's in the mix or he's sniffing around. One, he makes putts, but two, he doesn't like he. It, he doesn't choke. I don't want to use choke, but he doesn't F up. Um, he's just, he's, he's bred to play low country golf, being from the South, hanging with the boys that can talk some trash. They're going to give him some, some, some S talk. And then he's going to throw down there and throw a dart. And then he's going to end the match on you. I mean, the yeah. guy didn't back down. Uh, he can back up his play with a few beers on the course with his friends. And, uh, I mean, he's another one like Brendan Grace. I mean, these are guys that are – they're great all-around tour players, but, I mean, they are – they're really good dark horses that could come out of the woodwork, and then once they catch fire, a little flash-in-the-pan action of getting a huge win, then it's like, you know what, they get two, three, four more, and then, holy crap, like nobody really – was following them for the first few years or a number of years of their career. And then they just, I don't know. They take off. These guys don't need much, man. Lightning in a bottle, some little swing thought, one little win like today, this playoff, you you nailed it. This little playoff could just light a fire under this dude. And he's, you can't catch him. He's gone. I, I think there's something to be said about a dude that bumps around the mini tours, like, has to learn his own swing inside and out, has to deal with such adversity, isn't the guy that jumped right from college into the pros. You know, I, I love I love the assessment of him. Like, he, he really is just a good old Southern boy um, yeah. who, who grow, grew up playing just, you know, trash-talking money games. Right. With, I mean, think of, think of how many good golfers come out of even public courses in the South that never make it even to mini tours but could literally take your lunch money in, in 12 holes. You know what I mean? Be, beat you like seven and eight, uh, yep. whoop the floor with you, and you're like, dude, how are you not on tour? And they're like, ah, whatever. You know, like, I, I don't need that BS or whatnot. Like, he's, he's literally that dude, and God, right. I, think, I think Americans would just swarm to his personality because 100%. like us, you and I, golf nerds, we know kids like everybody knows kids, but to get him on the Ryder cup stage and, and to get him a little bit of success, he's he, he could carry the team like Anthony Kim and boo weekly did, 
you know, back in the day when people went just bananas over them on the course. Not only will his play back up uh, his attitude, his demeanor, and what he has to say, but you get that dude in the locker room, he's he's just going to reinforce the walls of that locker room, and they're all going to walk out of there and just take no prisoners. Yeah, I, and he's, he's not a young buck. You know, he's he's an old grizzled vet that knows the game inside and out and knows when to get, you know, super high, but also knows when to kind of keep it even keeled out there. And I think he'd be a great presence for some of these young guys as well. Right. hundred percent. I mean, he, he can, he can be fun and boisterous and this and that, but at the same time, he can just look at you and be like, Hey, we got, we got some work to do. Like we got to dig ourselves out of a hole. Let's go get us a cup back. And it it would be one of those things where like, if kids is pissed off, I'm going to follow suit because He's a happy-go-lucky guy who can back up his game, but I, I don't know if I would want to catch that dude pissed off, to be honest. I mean, I feel like if you met him in an alley and he was scrappy drunk by himself after a night out with the boys, he, he might catch you with a right hook. And it <laughs> I mean, like I feel like that's the way he can play sometime. He, yeah, I'd like to see him catch Bryson him, with a hook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, hell yeah. I, but but I think Kiz is a dude that keeps a guy like that in line. Like, listen, dude, you're you're being a you know you're being an ass right now. Like, sit down, shut up, listen to coach. You know, like he's that type of kid. He's like the senior on your team, disciplining a boisterous sophomore. Right, right. And I think we all have one of those friends where if if they speak up or if they're pissed off and everybody understands the person really well, they they follow suit, and they're like, well, you know, if, if Kisner's pissed off, we might want to kind of, like, follow that. Yeah. We might sure. want to listen. For sure. Um, hey, USM uh, just finished. Austin Greaser from uh, Vandalia, Ohio, beat James P at 2-1. and one. That was a good final match. I, I obviously literally just finished, so I didn't get to watch uh, the end of it, but happening in my state right now at out at Oakmont, venerable Oakmont, which is uh gonna be an anchor club of the USGA just like, you know, Pinehurst is gonna be as well. Fantastic. I was happy to hear about that. Yeah. I mean, they, they went deep into the decades out in advance, did they not? Oh my God. Yeah, it's uh it's was little, it twenty forty or fifty or something? It's a little bit wild. Um it, it, you wanna know it's real wild when you see where these USGA championships are going to be held. And then you realize that I'm going to be dead. (laughs) Like the 10th time it goes to Pinehurst, like I'm not going to be talking about it because I'm not going to be around. That's exactly what I was thinking. I said, well, shit, if I'm going to buy tickets for that, I'm going to be 121 years old. Uh, I I don't know if I can put those on layaway now or get like the little bag tag that says I'm a USGA member. I want to be around for it, but my God, I'm going to need, like, one of those scooters yeah, and like, an umbrella like over me. 20, 2047, they're going <laughs> – hey, so June 12th through the 15th of 2047. Don't book anything. That's the U.S. Open. Uh, 2041, they're at Pinehurst. 2035, 2031. Uh, they've already got the U.S. Am at the honors course in uh, Ottawa, Tennessee in 2031. I mean, it's just – it's nuts. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to make you feel better, I'll I'll make sure that I start getting my uh, 
my sky miles in order now. So maybe I can get like some free tickets, to, <laughs> you know, to fly for free here and there. But I mean, it, it's kind of, it, it's cool that they're planning that, but at the same time, I, I just, I think it's, I think it's a little much for crying out loud. I mean, I, that's like almost 30 years out. I, yeah, I like, think it comes, it's got to come with the territory. Like when you're, when you're kind of negotiating with Pinehurst, you know, to, sure. to be like, look, like we want you, you want us, what can you give us? And Pinehurst is probably like, I, I want stability. And the USGA was like, you know what? I can, I can give you stability. How does a, you know, a 40 year marriage sound? And Pinehurst is probably like, yeah, that's cool. That's a, that's a hundred percent how it is. It's like, you got that uncle that likes one of your cars and you're not sure how he can pay for it. But then you got to come at your uncle and say, what do I need to do today to get you into my used toilet? <laughs> you know, uh, filet mignon for the next four months. Like how, how does that work? You know, but I, I totally get that relationship. I mean, it keeps them on the radar, keeps them relevant. Uh, it, it keeps people coming to the resort and Pinehurst is phenomenal as we know, we know uh, for, for taking care of us. And, uh, I just, the grounds and the ambiance and the experience. And we even went during COVID and it was still legit. Yeah. Yeah. But One of the interesting wanting to be on board. Oh, yeah. One of the interesting things with the USGA is next year, the U.S. Senior Open is actually going to be held about 35 minutes uh, from my house down at Saucon Valley, which is uh, my oldest son has played. You know, he plays the Lehigh Valley Junior Tour, which is which runs all the way you know down through through that area of, uh, of PA. Nice. So, yeah, that's you know, I'm looking at it, you know, I, again, I, I can't stand the you have to pay to volunteer type deal but i'm thinking you know maybe i get him down there because they're so much better to kids you know like he would get something cool like walking scorer or something with a group for me they'd be like yo go stand by the water bottle you know and (laughs) and and hand out cups dude i'm like oh awesome that's my job for the next six hours for free tickets i don't even know if you would get that job i mean guys our age probably get like replenish the toilet paper at the portagon type thing you yeah. get a free hat and a polo, but you're standing next to Porta Johns for six hours. You see what this scrub brush is? I'm like, oh yeah, you want me to like clean the players' clubs on the range? Like, no, you can go man the toilets, dude. We'll see you in six hours. Get on in there. The humidity's ninety. It's a hundred out. Smells great. Oh uh, my gosh. Your boy would be hooked up for sure. A walking score or like uh, range duty where you get close to the guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even just like a clubhouse gig or like a uh, corporate tent where you might be able to meet some people, but those are always good gigs. But uh, no, I get you on that front because uh, for instance, the BMW coming to caves, they've got 2000 volunteers for that. Nuts. tournament. Nuts. I don't know. I, I've never really paid attention to those numbers, but I'm privy to those obviously because of where I'm at. But uh I, I've never known of a tournament that needed 2,000 volunteers. So, uh, uh, I mean, I guess some some of the bigger U.S. Opens must have that many because they're just what jobs swarming with people. Volunteers. Well, you know what it is is it, you got it. You know, it's it's an entire week, right? So it's it's Monday, and then it lasts. The volunteer positions actually last like the following Wednesday for a lot of those things. So. You're looking right. at nine nine days, and I think the most they allow people to do is four shifts, usually like four or five to six hour shifts, and then you get tickets for the rest okay. of the time. And 
stuff like that. So, so uh, yeah, realistically, there's probably 700 jobs, right? But you probably have to multiply that by three or so because yeah. of, of time constraints. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, I you mean, you you alluded to it, so I want I want to get into this part of of the pot. I mean, that's 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 all for the you know for the the golf rat roundup and. You know, you don't need to listen to it here. You can go watch it on TV or any other pod that does roundups for the for the week on the PGA Tour. That stuff gets boring after a while. Um, I, I want people to learn about you a little bit, dude. Like, you know, and I don't even I don't even think I remember. I remember you telling me how you got into caddying, but I can't recall it off the top of my head. So let the new listeners know. Give them a little background of kind of how you got into caddying, how you got out on the Corn Ferry Tour, how you ended up at caves valley now which you said obviously is going to hold the bmw coming up for the uh fedex cup playoffs you know give them a little history of, of dan urban yeah so um just kind of in a nutshell uh 10 years in the marine corps got out um did two years of contracting privately uh high security clearance high profile job blah 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 before the marine corps Hold on a sec. So, what what is that? What is that? What does that like exactly entail for people that are? I mean, I, I you know I was never in the military, and I hate to use the word civilian as a non-military guy, but you know, like, what does that detail consist of that you could speak to for you know civilians out there, normal people out there? Right. So the the work that I did in the Marine Corps was strictly with three-letter agencies and uh, privately, uh, just kind of did some did some work in areas of the map that you know were very clandestine uh areas i i could say um just uh very intelligence-based type uh operations i think people can read between the lines there yeah yeah so um before all that uh i was an assistant pro at a course uh in maryland called bully rock which is in have grace I was there during the LPGA championships, uh, which was in like the early 2000s timeframe. Um, but, uh, honest, honestly, um, I mean the, the credence really goes to Mike Creed because I did a stint at TPC Potomac for a season, uh, met Mike, met a mutual friend who is a caddy and Mike's a caddy or was a caddy at uh, TPC Potomac. And, uh, we got to know each other. And he had the opportunity and took it amongst himself to kind of reinvent himself, put himself out there and go out on tour uh, early in the season on the Corn Ferry uh, to the Bahamas. And uh, he gave me a call. And I think it was after the first week of the first event of the year, a number of years ago, three years ago now. Um, and uh, just gave me a call. I said, "Hey, look, I've got a I've got a guy here sitting at the bar next to me. Um, I know your background. He's looking for a caddy for this coming week and possibly for the next month. We're out of the country. Blah blah blah." Well, it happened to be Steve Wheatcroft, and I knew the name, journeyman type guy, uh, just like a Ken Duke type guy. For the older listener, Ken Duke is now on the Champions Tour in some capacity, but the journeyman type guys are just like. I, just nose to the grindstone of like just getting getting their head beat in but they stick with the game and they've got so much knowledge and they've got great stories so i knew the guy 
Uh, Mike gave him my number. I fielded his call within like 10 minutes. We had an, an agreement that I would show up. Um, and within a day, uh, I was on a plane down to the Bahamas. Now, how uh, is, is that? How common is that? That that is that is just right place, right time for Mike. Uh, but the the Bahamas is small, so right. most for those couple tournaments, everybody's going to the same few places for the week. I mean, you're going to run into everybody because it's so small. But um, to strike up the conversation, to know a guy, to Roger up a guy, uh, I I feel the call. We talk. I mean that that that's like a moonshot. I already before that was putting myself between A and B strategically here in the U S down in Florida. Um, so on and so forth that, uh, uh, there's a club called, uh, MacArthur, uh, down in, uh, Hobe Sound, Stewart area. Uh, it's, uh, they actually share property or back up to medalist. Uh, so I put myself down there to run in some people, uh, tour players at, you know, might be looking for a guy or could count on somebody. But um, what Mike did for me was instrumental to get me started. Uh, if Mike's not, uh, not in that bar area, um, you know, I don't know if I would have gotten started as fast as I did. And so uh, long story short, so I've been rambling already. Uh, Steve stuck with me being a first year guy, but a, a guy that was good with numbers who still was a novice, still learning, knew the game of golf very well. Uh, I tried my hand at the mini tour thing early in the 2000s, so I knew how these guys thought and operated. Um, dependable guy being from the Marine Corps, blah, blah, blah. But he stuck with me for the season. It didn't pan out with him getting his tour card back. Uh, but that was that meant everything to me that Mike thought of me, gave me a call. Uh, he and I have become pretty good friends uh, could kind of bounce ideas off each other being on that tour level of caddying and who can, who can you trust and what's false information, what's good information. Cause caddies will talk more than your average tea party, uh, on the wife side of things. Um, it just, you know, things can run rampant on tour of, of just rumors and stuff, but, uh, that's how I got started. And, uh, I thought that I had something to offer. Um, did another season the following year, uh, nothing really panned out for, for me and my player then this year, uh, haven't done anything, uh, cause of COVID and the bubble. My kids are getting a little older, um, staying at home, making sure everything's squared away and, um, just kind of feeling out the next season, uh, seeing how my schedule falls in line with my kids going to school and stuff like that. It's, it's very hard to be out on the road and have two kids that one are both under the age of seven, uh, getting into sports, uh, going to school. Your wife is a, a PA physician assistant working a ton. There's a pandemic. I mean, there, there's been a couple things that, uh, I've had to move around and change up a bit, but, uh, you know, without without that initial call and uh, getting into the mix of, of professional tour life, um, you know, I'd probably still be club caddying at, um, at Caves Valley, which is fine. I mean, it's a phenomenal spot. Uh, Caves is in Owings Mills, Maryland. And uh, I mean, it's, it's a great venue. Uh, and, and that in and of itself, I mean, you're going to run across 
um, some potential there where guys know whether or not you're good or not. And you, you might be able to take the next step to, if you want, do it professionally on tour. Yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, Caves Valley, the the standard person that plays there is, is not your average run of the mill, um, you know, muni type guy. You know, it, it, it's 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 usually probably guys that are well connected to, uh, you know, numerous different uh, avenues in life. Um, who uh, first off, what's what do you notice is the biggest difference between club caddying and, and, and tour caddying. Is there one that you like better? You know, do they both have their pros and cons? So you can be more relaxed and have more of a good chum chum time, uh, club caddying. Uh, you get some regulars out there, some guys that you have had before, but they're not regulars, guests of a member, so on and so forth. Uh, slide you a couple transfusions here and there. You get a crab slider. Um, yeah, it's all fun and chummy. Um, and that can be likewise as well on tour, you know, practice rounds are lighthearted, you know, we don't want to hit it here. We want to do it here. You kind of get a game plan together, but once, once, once that tournament starts, it's very business oriented and you got to be on, um, and, and club caddying, there's, it's very lax. Uh, You're rubbing elbows. Uh, there's some very well-known people at caves. Um, industry leaders at caves, uh, great guests, great membership. Um, and that's where I can relax. But once I get out, get out on tour, I, I take the responsibility of I'm out there to make sure that I'm not, ca- uh, caught, uh, costing. Yeah. Cost, uh, costing these guys shots. I mean, this is livelihood. Um, I don't want to be wrong on a number. I don't want to be wrong on strategy. Um, and then it's just, I'm, I'm thinking about them. I'm not worried about me. I'm going to, I'm going to make my weekly rate. And if he does well, I do well on the weekend, so on and so forth. But, um, I, I take it very, very personal that, you know, this guy is, is trying to get his tour card. I'm not trying to get my tour card. He's, he's possibly going to take me along with him if I do good and we're good friends and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, th- this guy's life is on the line week in and week out. We saw it today. I mean, you miss a shot, you're not in the playoff. The playoff could be life-changing for some of these guys. Like Sloan? Who knows a Sloan? What if Sloan wins that playoff today? Who the right. hell is Right. I mean, I mean that's, I, I, that's what I'm thinking of on the Corn Ferry with these guys. So wait, that's wait. how serious I take it. Okay, so when you're out there, I mean – you know, obviously athletes and, and, you know, what you're doing, although you're not hitting the shots, I mean, you're still part of that athletic endeavor. Um, and athletes don't work well if they're always thinking about the negative. You know, like if you see a pond, and most amateur golfers will relate to this, you see a pond and you might have a great game. But if you say to yourself, don't hit it into the pond, well, the <laughs> last the last thing that your mind hears is pond. You know what I mean? Or water. <laughs> You know, you know, so like it's got to be it's got to be difficult being out there knowing that this other dude's livelihood kind of rests a little bit on your, you know, obviously, look, he's the one hitting shots. Right. But you're also a psychologist. You're also his his numbers guy. You're also his his hype man his pep talk, dude. I mean, you're like eight jobs rolled into one. 
when you're out there with those guys, are, are you ever thinking to yourself towards the, the negative? Like, you know, I hope I don't cost this guy a shot. I hope the number I gave him was correct. Do you ever second guess yourself or, or is it one of those things where it's like, look, I'm, I'm in the moment. I know I'm doing the exact right thing and I'm just reacting. So I'm laughing while you're talking because perfect scenario. So my first tournament with Steve Weecroft was at uh, Abaco Islands Winding Bay. Uh, we we placed pretty well. He got into the following week. The following week was in Bogota, Colombia. So we go from the Caribbean next week to uh, Colombia. And uh, he looked at me after the after the round. He realized that he got in because I don't think he necessarily was exempt or had any specific status to get into the following week, but we were a top 20 or a top 15, something like that. And he looked at me and he says, well, you, you did enough, you did enough uh, for us to place well. You want to go with me to Bogota? And I said, absolutely. And then I thought, oh crap, I got to call my wife. So then that was another. <laughs> so then we're in Bogota and this is like round two of Bogota. And so we're, we're fighting. I know that he's trying to get his, his tour card back because Steve had six, seven, eight years total on the PGA tour. I mean, the guy oh, was, yeah. He, yeah, he was a mainstay. He was rock, rock solid dude. So I'm trying to get him back there and he's got his faith in me from Mike. Um, and we, I think we're on the back nine. We're on like hole 10, 12, something like that. And the back of this green falls off. I mean, you're, you're 12 feet below the, the green if you go over. And the pin was on this back tier. And if you're short, you've got like this foot, foot and a half rise up to the pin if you're putting from the front. And I remember giving him a number and I said, look, uh, it's XX pin, XX back. Uh, I don't remember the yardage. I said, we just don't want to be long. <laughs> and... As soon as I said it, I was trying to like grab those words back because oh, I knew yeah. <laughs> that after that. So he goes ahead and he hits the shot. And where does he put it? He puts it in the very front of the green. And now we've got like a 40 foot putt up a severe slope, two tier green to like a very, very back pin. And right. Because the last thing he heard was don't go long. Don't go long. So he dumps it in the front to play safe. And that's every tour player they do the opposite of where trouble is uh for those specific smart reasons of not making a big number and so he makes par thank god like i was sweating i think he left it like eight ten feet short because that rise up was so severe and uh he makes makes par two putts that thing and he looks at me and he says don't ever say that again and i was just <laughs> like oh my god and i knew exactly what he was saying we didn't talk after the approach. We didn't talk during the green. No read. I didn't need to give him a read. I was just off to the side, this and that. And he, he got par and got the hell out of there. And he just looked at me and said, don't ever do that again. And I was just like, oh, my God. I was like, I, I could have been axed after that. All right. And so is it is it fair to say that if you mess up on a number or say something that might upset a tour player – you could lose your job. But if you're club caddying and you give a wrong number or, you know, you, you say something for a, a player, you know, you might lose a, a little bit in tip, but then you can probably, you know, kind of like schmooze him towards the end of the round and kind of assuage his feelings a little bit. Is that so a fair assumption? 
Yeah, 100%, because club caddying, it's all about how good of a time they had if their guests had a good time. It, it, it's fair to say, and it's not a slight on the guys that are members at these clubs. You know the club champions. You know the guys that are the low handicaps that take it more seriously. But your run-of-the-mill guys and guests that don't get out that much, uh, for lack of a better phrase, they're just lost in the sauce. You could give them a number that's 20 more because they've been hitting <laughs> yeah. it short all day. And they're like, oh, that looks like 150. And it might be 150, but they've been short you know, 10, 15 yards all day because they're hitting it fat. And you're like, nah, it's like 175. You know, take two more. And then they finally get it up there. And it's like, thank God I don't have to rake a bunker. They're on right. green. Let's get the hell out of here. That that sort of thing. So that's, And then they go tell their friends. They're like, dude, I just hit a seven iron 175. 100%. Into the wind, <laughs> uphill to a yeah. plateaued green. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's just kind of like, it, it's all about the experience, and that's what uh, the guys at Caves Valley uh, actually take pride in is just providing that experience because there's not not a whole lot of clubs in the mid-Atlantic area that have walking caddies at these higher echelon clubs. I mean, I could ra- uh, rifle off a few, but um, I, I think caddying is a dying breed, so to be able to have that opportunity and get that experience um, – you know, it's few and far between and you're going to know a good player from a bad player and you're going to want to try to help them out. And a number of the times I'll just tell the guy flat out, hey, look, we've been short all day. I'm going to give you 15 more so that we get it there. I mean, we don't want to be short all the time chipping up in front of your friends. We want to be on the green making putts. And a, a lot of the guys welcome that, you know, and, and I'll give them a couple tips here and there to just kind of help them out. I'm not trying to mess up the round, but it's like, we need to get it up there. Let's, let's go ahead and take one more or let's go ahead and do this. And we're going to enjoy ourselves better. The other thing too, is a lot of guys at these clubs, they play from the wrong tees and it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's all ego. All ego. It's, it's unbelievable to me because on a simple par four, they've got over 220 in guys play up a set of tees. If you're up 40, you're going to have 180 in instead of 220. Play the proper tees is what I have to say. That's first and foremost for club caddying. You're going to have a better time. Let me ask you this then, because that's that's a great point. So you're a dude, I mean, Caves Valley is, is, you know, in the mid-Atlantic is kind of as elite as it it gets. I mean, I know some of the people that you've caddied for. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, You know, it's it's a who's who of of people in high upper echelon jobs that that play there. So let's, let's talk to a person that, gets invited to a, a super private, you know, kind of ultra fancy country club, maybe for the first time or so, or for the first time in a while. As yeah. as a caddy, what advice are you giving those people so they can have their best round? Because quite honestly, they're probably not going to play their best round if they're used to Muni golf and you get to greens that are running 11, 11 and a half and have these, you know, crazy cabiners bunkers and, and and sight lines that you're just not used to so what what advice do you give those people that that get invited either to a corporate outing at a real nice club or they're a guest of somebody at a real nice country club that they're just not used to playing at so first and foremost if the club has caddies and you're going to be walking uh ditch the second set of shoes that you may have stored in your bag <laughs> uh, get the rain gear out if it's 90 and sunny um, you don't need two dozen balls. Uh, you probably need like maybe three sleeves of balls and that's it. Your caddy's going to do the work of helping find the ball. Um, 
You don't need any of your swing aids in the bag. It's just added weight for the caddy, uh, number one. Um, number two, don't second-guess second the guy. I've had so many, so many people that have played there. I, I don't know. Uh, oh, I'm a returning guest. Uh, I've been here a number of times, this and that, and I've, I've got – I'm out there daily. Or as much yeah, as they, I, they think they know the course better than you. Right. So when I give them a read, they look at me and they say, are you sure? That, <laughs> that is the, and it's like the second green, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm out here. I, I know these green. That's the worst thing to say to a caddy uh, who's there a lot is you're second guessing the caddy. Um, the other thing too is uh, for a guy that's a member at a place, uh, you know, it might be a little overwhelming, this and that. I would say just play your game. You know, get comfortable, uh, understand where you're at, get to know your caddy, uh, understand the course, ask questions about the course, and just get comfortable. Because I feel like the name of a particular club can be overwhelming. It can be a little much. Um, it's yeah, not. I think very- a lot of people get shell-shocked, you know, right. when they hear, oh, I'm playing at X country club. Right. Marion, Baltus Raw, Liberty National. Oh, I'm going to Shinnecock. Like there's so many guys in the yard just and I'm a, I'm a little bit of a people watcher before my round because we get there early to make sure that we're on time and stuff like that. But it's it's funny to me and it's not a slight on people. It's just the way it is because you're in your element and you you want to be presentable and you you want to have a good day. But it, when you're there as a guest, it's funny how uppity people are. Um, they don't know where the locker room is. Uh, do I have time to get a water? Uh, do I have time to go to the bathroom? There's so many questions. It's like, man, we've got 30 minutes. Just like the locker room's <laughs> over here, the head's over there, the bar's open, go through there, grab yourself a Arnie Palmy and, 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 uh, kettle one. Cause that was a drink. Um, just relax, hit some wedge shots, the range warm ups over here. Just relax. So many guys are like, very uptight and just you can see him walking you you remember how uh andre agassi walked during tennis matches like real short and upright you yeah just, yeah i there's so many guys that are just like it's just relax in the caddy yard get your stuff together get your ball marker out just deep breaths and we'll get you through it i think so many guys work themselves up to that first tee um they they and, build it up in their uh, head yeah like, yeah this yeah. is going to be, you know, I'm going to go out and, and today I'm taking down Caves Valley and I'm going to come out as the new low score record holder. Just, I mean, years ago, I'm a big Packers fan. Years ago, Aaron Rodgers went on the radio show up in Wisconsin and he said, R-E-L-A-X. Yep. Because I, I, I we yeah. popped like three in a row. I remember that. Nation was up in arms and then we ran the table and had a had a super bowl chance i think so, so that's what i okay i mean that, that it, it's it's great advice now i know that you have caddied because you've sent me some unbelievable pictures of the people that you've caddied for now not to slight anybody but if you had to put in order no particular order but the top three people that you've caddied for at caves valley not mm. not on not on tour we're talking just strictly at sure. the club there uh, who would they be? Uh, first, first and foremost would be uh, President Barack Obama. 
<laughs> yeah, I knew that was it. <laughs> I just wanted I, you to say that. <laughs> I would. I've caddied for him three times, and the second time I caddied for him, he remembered my wife's name and my kids from the first time that I told him. Um, and he is very personable. Uh, you're the most important person when he's talking to you. Um, and you, you know, when you're caddying for somebody like that, you know, talk when spoken to and, you know, get in, get into the banter a little bit, but, um, you know, don't get in the way, uh, enjoy being around them. Uh, obviously there's secret service around, um, the one time I was with him, he was with, uh, mayor Bloomberg of New York city. Um, so I definitely was just a fly on the wall with what they were talking about. Um, the other time was a well-known author, um, uh, New York times bestseller. And I'm, his name is, I'm, I'm forgetting his name at the moment, but, uh, he's a member at, at Cyprus, um, and a couple other well-known clubs. And it's, it's just interesting to just hear what they talk about. Um, so the, um, the other gentleman that I referenced, the author in the New York, New York times bestseller, he's, he's another one. I, if I can remember his name, I'll, I'll let you know, but, um, uh, who I've caddied for, um, having, haven't caddied for, but ran across at the club, like, Hey, how are you? Um, Steve Bushotti, owner of the Ravens, Kevin Plank, uh, CEO. And I think past president of Under Armour, um, uh, I forget the gentleman's name, but he started and I think has still has, a, has a hand in Pandora jewelry, but he plays in the, uh, the Pebble beach pro-am every year. Okay. Uh, I forget his name, but he's, he's a big Swedish or Nor Norwegian guy, I believe. Uh, but really, really nice guy, soft-spoken. Um, who else is there? Uh, I've caddied for the um, president of uh, Calvin Klein, uh, who was uh, retired. And I think how it goes is emeritus. So you're retired, but you're still kind of in the mix with how things go in the business. Um I don't know. There's just kind of like a who's who. And what's cool about caves is, you know, you meet these industry leaders and, you know, they'll let you know ahead of time, you know, who they are and what their game is and what to expect and this and that. So you kind of are, you know, you got your cliff notes, uh, which, is, which is great. And what I'll do is just after the round, I'll just do like a Google or a LinkedIn search on these people. And I'll do a little more learning about those individuals just to give me a leg up the next time I see them. Whether I caddy for him or I see him at the club, it's nice to know who the member is. Um, right. Just because you're in that company and you don't want to look like a dumbass, number one. But also, I like to be educated and I, I would like to stay in that community. So Caves Valley has a lot to offer. There's, there's guys from all over the country who have Caves as their second, third, fourth club. And Caves, likewise, um, you need to be a member uh, one or two times over at another facility to get into caves. So everybody kind of has that uh, database of knowing names in those circles of club to club to club throughout the U.S. When you're caddying for a guy like Obama with the Secret Service everywhere and, you know, I, I guess kind of the pomp and, you know, he can't go anywhere without pomp and circumstance, even if he's as low-key as possible. Um 
Obviously, he travels with a little less Secret Service than when he was in office. But when when those guys are around there, is there any interaction with those guys at all? Or are they just like 100% tight-lipped monitoring the entire time? No, so they are um... – and I dealt with Secret Service while I was in the Marine Corps, but um, well, that's what I figured. That's that's why. I mean, you're you're like the perfect candidate to caddy for a guy, you know, for President of the United States. Like it makes perfect sense, right? So prior service Marine, um, you know, we're the, the Marine Corps is known as the President's Own, uh, because they can he he can call on us for any reason, uh, and the Marine Corps will answer the President's needs, um. Secret Service is a little more relaxed. Um, I don't know all their secrets, uh, but I will tell you this. There's an advanced party. They'll make sure everything's good to go. Is the weather good? Uh, they might have a change in plans if the weather gets bad on the back backside of the, the round. Um, might not even show up if the weather might be bad. Uh, but for the most part, I get there early enough so that, you know, I'm there, got my towel, uh, shit showered and shaved as we say in the marine corps i'm i'm good to go um and then it, there's obviously a couple guys already there advanced party before he shows up so i'll just introduce myself and say hey prior prior service marine i'll be caddying for the president today you know who i am but they all, they've already done a background check on me i've had to get sure. right right uh, they they know from my social and my background in the marine corps who i am already to a t so they're not worried about me the majority of the time, the president is playing on a day where there's not a lot of play. Uh, they'll create a gap in the T-sheet uh, both fore and aft uh, so that the president's got somewhat of a cushion between play so nobody's around. Um, and then uh, after the round, if he wants to stay, uh, you know, he'll, he'll have his food and beverage wherever he wants. The majority of the time, he's jumping in the motorcade. Uh, getting the heck out of there, but he has been nice enough to take a couple pictures with me, sign a couple things, give me a ball, a glove. Um, uh, it's just kind of one of those things where I've been with him a few times now where he just, hey, Dan, how are you? Uh, how are things going? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I've even said to him, which is kind of goofy, it's like, hey, uh, how's Mrs. Obama, Michelle, the kids? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And the one thing that was cool is I played uh, or I caddied for uh, – the president and then his daughter's boyfriend, uh, who I think is still still uh, current boyfriend, and uh, he actually played pretty well and, and played better than the president. So it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall of how much like uh, s talk was given in the motorcade on the way back with the right. boyfriend whooping up on the president, <laughs> which was cool to see in person. I was just like, all right, here we go. You know, I'm just gonna be a fly on the wall for that one. All right, so listen, I, I wanted to get into Caves Valley, but if you'll if you'll humor me, um, the BMW Championship is August 26th and 29th. Would you be cool running this back again for doing just a straight BMW Championship kind of preview and, and you giving us all an insight as to how Caves transformed itself over the last, what, 16 months or so? Because I know, I know you were on the ground floor for some of a lot of the tournament prep uh, in-house. You know, you sent me some awesome pictures of some of the renovations that were occurring in, you know, in in, in the run-up to the BMW Championship later on this month. Yeah, for sure. I, I would be happy to do that. They, um, 
they started work on this course in October of 2019, and it it was crazy to see what they were doing. Um, they haven't necessarily rerouted any holes. They've changed every bunker. They've changed every uh, uh, initial cut off the fairway of every hole. Um, changed around one fairway, one pond. Uh, yeah, let's let's get on that one. Um, okay, yeah, I mean, because I that, that's a good that. yeah, that's a good preview, kind of a tease for people because I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, a and B, I've got so many questions of that that I've realized now it could fill an entire pod. Yeah, yeah, let's let's go on that. I mean, it would be a really good preview, a lot of good insight. Uh, I can tell you right now that it's it's going to be a spectacular tournament. And here's another another tease. Uh, Stuart Sink is going to be my pick that week at that particular tournament, and I'll tell you why later. I like that. I like that. Stuart Sink. Like, who's going to pick Stuart Sink? Uh, I am, and I know why. You, you you might be making some people right now a boatload of cash. I I I could be, and I I, I just I have my reasons. I've seen him there several times, uh, and I'll just I'll just say that. All right. Very cool. Um, so first off, as always, thank you for your prior service uh, and everything that you've done for this country. Thank oh. you for helping out and, and growing this pod. Like we said, you've been there since day one, which is awesome. Uh, obviously, great catching up with you on the pod. I know we've talked, you know, a lot before this as well, but yeah, yeah. always good kind of picking your brain on on, on things. It, it always gets me uh you know, it just gets me more excited about about golf. I've been in a lull as of late, just doing all the high school coaching that I haven't really paid too much attention to the tour ever since the Olympics because it just kind of bored me. But Dude, uh, we could do a pod on you coaching high school golf. I, you know Let's what? Well, yeah. Well, so Let's tomorrow, go, yeah, Let's <laughs> tomorrow, go, coach. tomorrow, tomorrow, you coach for <laughs> tomorrow starts our first first day of practice. Uh, right. My oldest son will be playing uh, number one as a freshman from day one. He's already kind of earned that spot through intramurals uh, that we've had over the summer. We've ran 23 intramurals over the summer for the kids. So so we're coming in hot, you know. Well, we're coming in hot. We're, we're getting into football season. Are these kids on the golf team practicing in pads or what? No. <laughs> no What's going but, uh, on? Get these kids in helmets and swinging a golf club. What's up? You know, we do a little a little conditioning work where they're carrying their bags and stuff up hills and, and stuff like that. We do a little heat acclimation, you know, because, uh, I mean, you know very well, the, yeah. the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic summers are just absolutely brutal. But the first day of practice, now we've gone, we've gone six straight days in the mid-90s with a real feel of like 100 with the humidity. Tomorrow, first day of practice, the golf gods have shined upon me, 72 right. degrees and sunny. Low humidity, number one. But number two, I'll tell you right now as a caddy, you're not practicing unless you're pulling a sled. I don't want these kids carrying their own bag. They need to be pulling a sled like they would be pushing on the on the gridiron. Let's go. Shape. I want to see some calf muscles like Phil or there's, something. There, unfortunately, there's probably going to be some kids that like knock out on the 13th hole. And, you know, I'm going to be driving past in the car and be like, coach, put me in. Pull me in the car. I can't walk anymore. Hey, they got to hydrate a night ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, big time. It's going to be Give uh, something. Give them a canteen. Yeah, that, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so we'll definitely we'll definitely talk about that. But, uh, I, hey, dude, I appreciate it. It's always a good time. We'll definitely. We'll get back together. We'll do an entire BMW championship, Cave Valley preview. 
with the pride of Caves Valley, Dan Urban. Oh man, thank you so much. I appreciate the uh, the call and the podcast is doing great as always. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. All right, people, either get busy golfing or get busy dying. At Eagles and Arrows, we supply timeless style and high-quality golf essentials. We strive to provide the personal attention that consumers deserve. We're taking extra steps to personally and thoughtfully design our goods to bring you the best products out there. In 2021, we are releasing a new head club cover every month. We're releasing several new hat designs, including the Tremendous Slouch, which is on our website right now. We're also doing custom designs on our gloves and all of our leather goods. At the end of the day, we're all about living life to its fullest and enjoying this amazing game that we love with great people. Love golf, live life, Eagles and Arrows. Check us out on Instagram at Eagles and Arrows CO and online at www.eaglesandarrows.com.